Every winter, New Zealand's energy system faces a tricky balance. The system operator, Transpower, struggles to make sure it has enough electricity to keep the lights on in winter, particularly during dry years. As we've been discussed, generators aren't particularly motivated to keep excess supply, and so sometimes it can come to be a really fine line. Let's talk about octopus energy that comes at things a different way, through demand management from the consumer's end. The company's a new player among New Zealand electricity retailers arriving in 2022. But it's a major player in the UK market. It started operations there in 2016. It has now become, I think, the biggest retailer. The largest electricity retailer. In seven years. In yep. seven to eight years. I'll introduce our guest in a moment. The company uses a demand management tool where it incentivises customers to turn power down and profit by way of payments or cheaper power bills. During the UK 2022 winter energy crisis, Octopus worked with that country's national grid to get hundreds of thousands of customers to turn down their power usage. UK is more than a country, of course. They shifted close to 200 megawatts of tight at tight peak moments, the equivalent of a major power station. The company wants to start doing more of that here, but sees regulatory challenges or regulatory changes are needed to allow for more of its innovations. Margaret Cooney is Chief Customer Officer at Octopus. Good morning. Morning, Catherine. So 2016, it was a startup, and within seven to eight years, it was the biggest retailer in the UK. That's kind of mind-expanding because we know that switching here is so low. Yeah. What drove that? Yeah, if you go go back to 2016 in the UK market, um, it, it wasn't a pretty place. Like, there was terrible customer service. There'd been quite a number of reviews around the UK electricity market and a program of reforms, really, to support competition there. Um, Octopus Energy was founded by Greg Jackson and a team of, of innovators, essentially, and they saw this opportunity to use technology to uh, deliver much better customer so- service but also drive down the cost of energy for consumers. So one of the things w- that happens on the grid is the price is struck by every half hour, and that fluctuates hugely. So in the in the New Zealand context, yesterday we had prices at $200 a megawatt at one point and then at about $0.10 cents at another time. So if you can use your technology smartly, shift some demand around, you can ultimately yeah. lower the cost to end consumers. Which is interesting because it's a conversation we've had many times talking about New Zealand's electricity issues and why we don't switch more is whether those so-called smart meters that have been installed are being used smartly. In many instances, they are not. The potential's there, but it's not necessarily happening. Yeah. But come back to the business story. What happened in 2022? That was an ominous year. Did that really push growth along for the company? Yes. like Octopus has grown um, consistently since entering the market. But one of the things that happened in the UK was it was hit by the gas supply uh, um, shortages that impacted... The Ukraine war. Yes, exactly. That impacted supply in Europe. So um, what happened through that period is that there were a number of um, both wholesalers and retailers that fell over and Octopus ended up acquiring those customer bases. So, so we've, is that a sharp growth period? Yeah, it has. we have yeah. um, grown rapidly through that time. So how does it happen at the consumer's end? We know we've got these smart meters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to, or when you were working with customers here on demand management, on adjusting use down at times when spot prices are high, 
Yeah. And then adjusting them up at times when they're low. What's the experience for the consumer? How does it happen? Yeah, so there's the lo-fi experience, which is literally just communicating a price signal and a reason for consumers to shift that demand. So if you look at our prices, we have we have a structure where there's a higher peak price and really low off-peak and night prices. Um, so that incentivises that demand shifting. But so that just tells you, don't put your washing machine on now, put it on now. And that's every day. Yeah, that's every day. But over the top of that, we've got some really sophisticated technology um, where we can basically take control of a customer's device. So that, let's say that's a, an EV or a hot water heat pump or um, air conditioning, and we can say, when's the best time to use this device around what's happening on the market and the customer preference? So if you come home at six o'clock and plug in your EV, we look at what's going on in the market and we pick the best time to to charge that vehicle. And that's really valuable because... It is slightly scary. Maybe I'm charging it at this time because I need it to head off on a long road trip. How yep. do I deal with you when that's happening? Uh, well, you tell us when you need it. Okay. And, and basically our, our so view is... So does it happen is, automatically unless... I intervene and say, I'm going yeah, to... Uh, yeah, okay. That, that's how, correct. How do I communicate with you? Well, we have a simple app and you set your preferences and we okay. make sure we always deliver to the preference first and then the market second. But there's a lot of opportunity to use, um, you know, a, a lot of the largest consuming uh, energy devices in the home, so whether it's the hot water or the air conditioning or people's EVs, those that, that have adopted them, you know, you don't need them on all the time. There's quite a bit of opportunity to shift that load around. The heat pump one is interesting. I think when we had that crisis in 2023, it was the coldest night of the year. It was the typical cluster. Right? Yeah. Coldest night of the year. There was an issue with supply. There was weeds here. Someone, someone's turbine was down or whatever. And it was the coldest night of the year. And we went wham. And we all wanted the heat pumps on at once. Do you go around turning people's heat pumps off in those situations? Do you turn them down? What do you do? Well, one of the opportunities is to read the market and do some either pre-heating or or cooling in certain circumstances um, so that you kind of maintain that comfort level. Um, so there, there are ways that you can you can optimise the use of devices. But I think one of the things around the, the that August event was no one knew actually how close the grid was to having issues, and it's really about communicating in advance. Which and I think is supposed to be improving, isn't it? Isn't there supposed to be much more line yeah, of sight look, as a result of that, so that Transpower knows what's happening with Genesis, knows what's happening yeah, with it? Well, that, that is correct. So over the last year or so, Transpower and the EA have put in a lot of effort and worked with industry to improve um, the information flow so that there's more accurate identification of issues on the system. But one of the um, one of the things we're doing in the UK that might really help these situations is where there's a forecast uh, security issue. Um, in the UK, as a customer, you can actually be paid to reduce your demand, um, which is a, a new concept. So in a similar looming crisis... When would you determine that and when would you say to the customer, hey, put your woolies on, turn your heater off and you can save this amount of money? We'll get paid this amount of money. Yeah, so um, we in the New Zealand market we get updates throughout the day as the 
as things eventuate. Our our UK experience is quite similar, um, and so we've we've been running this demand flexibility um, with three hours notice and having significant reduction in demand. Again, though, do you signal to the customer, say through the app? hey, if you reduce use at this time, you will get paid X amount of money. Do you want to? Or do you just go ahead and do it unless the customer overrides you? In in that scenario, for the demand flexibility service that's paid by the national grid in the UK, um, we signal to the consumers ahead of time. That this and, is going to and happen. It, and they... No, they opt into it. They so opt it's in. At okay. their discretion. Okay. Which we think is the beauty of it. Because then you're not... You're not forcing someone into a situation where they're turning off a heat pump when they really need that heating. Okay. So um, if, we, if you were working in a crisis situation, you or other retailers were working, you've got the technology currently, if you were working with the National Grid in a crisis situation, you would it would be opt-in, it would be if you wanted to, the grid's under pressure, if you wanted to, we will pay you to reduce use between this time and this yeah, time. Yeah, correct. Right? So, and then the yeah. other way, though, if, if I'm just running... Uh, a, a regular kind of um, contract with you, mm-hmm. you will pick and choose when the washing machine goes on or the heat pump goes off, unless I override yeah, you. Yeah, so if you've connected a device with us, so yeah. so that's the key thing. Um, See, so customers thing. Yeah. have to opt into it. Yeah. So in, in New Zealand, we have 150 or so vehicles that we optimise um, on behalf of customers. In the UK, we've got about 160,000 devices which we're optimising. So. so you opt in... You can set your preferences to override the decisions that are being made. The other thing that occurs to me is that this works for people with um, fancy kit, to be quite blunt. Um, And does it leave out a bunch? It leaves out people who are sitting around a one-bar heater, doesn't it? In some ways, what's the what's the what's the level of sophistication in your uh, whiteware, for example? How how old would your washing machine have to be to be part of this? Yeah, so that that optimization requires s- smart devices. New gear. So they're modern mm. modern technology, mm. but participating in demand response, which is a re- reacting to a price signal, mm. that. That's something that you can do with any yeah. any technology. That's about around behaviour, but really where the smart um, appliances and things come in is it makes life easy because none of us want to be worrying about our energy consumption and turning switches on and off. You know, like we're, we're talking about moving forward to yeah. a new way of operating, and ultimately, even the the benefit of this. Um, actually accrues to all consumers because as you shift that demand, it lowers the price. All consumers benefit from that reduction in price. We're right in the Internet of Things zone. Totally. We? And yep. um, where your fridge tells you you need to stock up milk. <laughs> and and a, again, a generation will embrace that and people with modern fridges will embrace that and, and others will have to be a bit more self-managing, it seems. But with the Internet of Things, part of the issue here is security, for example, um, and I don't want to go to the dystopian nightmares, but they can, can happen. Someone uses your fax machine to set fire to your house or something. Where are you at with the security of the communications between the device uh, and, and your devices? What's What sort of level of security is there against hacking um, or against anything else going wrong? Look, it, we take 
security really seriously. So there's a lot of effort going on internationally thinking about um, cyber uh, issues and security, and we embed security into the way that we design our APIs and systems. So um, I think as, as much as we can, we are abreast with the the bleeding edge of, of security and the way that we design products and services for our customers. What hardware is involved? You have to, it would have to be an octopus meter necessarily on the house, smart so meter, or we, not necessarily? We can use the existing smart meter, uh-huh. and in many scenarios we don't need any hardware. So wow. basically we can talk directly to your Tesla, or in the UK we can talk to your Daikin heat pump, Um if you if you don't have a, a um, vehicle that's directly connected with our systems, you can use an EV charger that we can also control. Is there some kind of serial number or something that connects? Yeah, the devices? basically, it's the serial number. All right, yeah. and, and and do all heat pumps have that capacity at this stage, for example, or just some? Uh, just some. Most of the most of the modern ones have it, but in New Zealand, most households have a heat pump. Many of them won't have this capability yeah. currently because they are installed. Fisher and Paykel or whatever. Look, I think if you go and talk to Fisher and Paykel, they're investing a lot of effort into smart Who tech. Else and, is? And Who else is when it comes to the producers of the of the equipment? All the major. Um, producers of devices within the home are investing massively in, in improving the efficiency of them and making them um, integrate with, with smart home technology. Have you, have you done modelling based on the New Zealand market as it is now? Uh, and if so, what does that tell you, first about the big picture, about the ability to manage demand um, and what response might be possible in certain situations. So we know from practical experience dealing with a small cohort of customers in the New Zealand market that even if we shift uh, their hot water load outside of the peaks, we're saving most customers over $100 a year. And so if we multiply that in the context of an EV, it's a couple of hundred dollars. Um, So there's definitely savings there to be realised. There's plenty of international research around energy systems that emphasises that even in a market that's kind of perfect in terms of having lots of flexible supply, using demand response will reduce the total system cost by over 5%. And that's because it, it helps check this, the supply side of the market. So, you know, in New Zealand we have market power issues, so potentially that value is significantly you higher. You want to speak about those. You want a break-up of the, four, the big four gene tailors. Well, we're not calling for a break-up per se. What we're asking for is a better regulatory framework. So we've raised concerns about the lack of safeguards around competition in New Zealand and we think there's some changes that could be made which would ensure that there's a level playing field between... Be specific because we've had so many new retailers start say they can't uh, they can't compete. The, the the scrum is screwed towards the gene tailors, uh, and mm-hmm. then many of them have been bought up by the yeah. big four. So be specific about what you want to see happen if it's not going to happen to you. Yeah, so so we can take the arrangements that are in place in telcos in New Zealand or the, arrange, the framework around the UK market, which basically requires a party that has both retail and generation to operate those books separately. So... We, Structural uh, separation? Well, it's a form of operational separation. We don't think you need to go as far as mandating ownership separation, um, which is where the concern around 
um, how disruptive it would be comes in. But the operational separation and measures that ensure that these these um, businesses are standing on their own two feet, that they're not cross-subsidising, that they're dealing with players even-handedly, um, would ensure that players like ourselves that have really smart technology um, can come into the market and build a sustainable business here. But at the moment, um, what we're seeing is significant cross-subsidies between the generation businesses and the retail businesses and a real driving out of retail competition. Thank you. Margaret Cooney is with Octopus Energy.